Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, surprisingly, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> Were you out late last night? Um, I mean, it was only until like two, but you know, yeah, kind of yeah. kind of intense. <laughs> I guess I should say for, for listeners, because this is going to probably go up um, a couple of weeks in January, we were recording this on the first day of the new year. Woo. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, so you, you were out until like two. Yeah, it was fun. Like I went to two different parties. Um, I, and before that, like I hung out with some friends, we like watched this really great, um, Netflix series called, um, I'm trying to remember the the new name. Uh, I think it's called Lovesick. It used to be called Scrotal Recall, which was the worst name. <laughs> and oh then, my God. <laughs> and then Netflix like bought the rights to the series and thankfully changed the name and uh, threw a bunch of money at it. And so the second season's absolutely amazing. And I got to watch a couple of my friends like see this new thing, um, having already seen it. And it was just great. Cause they were like, I don't know, just seeing something for the second time is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went to this, uh, party that was uh, a friend of mine was, I guess, kind of co-hosting a little bit. Um, and that one was like, I mean, he works in, in finance tech, but I guess I wasn't expecting a finance tech <laughs> party. But the nice thing is that there was this really cute Shiba Inu. So I just kind <gasps> of made friends with this dog Um, and it came over several times, you know, to just get a petting from me, which was great. Um, so that's the highlight of that party. And the second one, um, I got to hang out with, um, some really great people. Uh, I guess a lot of them are like Oberlin graduates. Um, so now I know what the mass of like Oberlin graduates are like. I didn't really know that this was like a thing. Um, but yeah, it was like musical performance and we got to like yell at the TV as the ball dropped and we were all kind of like, oh my God, they're all wearing diapers. And is that Hillary Duff? Is this Bon Jovi? <laughs> um, so that was pretty fun. Um, all in all, great night. I got to have like eggnog and weird wine that I can't pronounce um, and champagne and tang, alcoholic tang. So 10 out of 10. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Weird day. (laughs) (laughs) Can I guess what the... Okay, so I've never heard of the show that you mentioned before, but can I guess what it's about based on the name? Please, yes. (laughs) Is it about a guy who finds out that he has, like, chlamydia or something and has to, like, call all of his exes and tell them? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God, got it in one. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really... Like, it's sad how good the the first name is because... It's because it's also so bad. Yeah, it's like disgusting, but it really tells you what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it, it goes deeper than that, which I think is why Lovesick is a better title because it, it sort of becomes about like the relationship between these three friends and how two of them are just like hopelessly in love with each other. But they're like passing ships in the night and it's like really intense and, and kind of like the actors are just great. So I like that the title is now a little more subtle uh, instead of being like spot on <laughs> and gross at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, <laughs> so, so you're like, I'm, I'm glad that you're awake. I'm glad that you're <laughs> like ready to go and like not like I, I didn't like rouse you out of a, a like drunken stupor, did I? No, I'm okay. totally happy to be awake. And I think uh, as of like a couple of years ago, it's like alcohol's fun, but um, not too much. Like I think there's an amount, um, which is great. And then there's too much, which I don't want to ever hit again. Mm-hmm. Because I, I like not being nauseated. So 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you what I did. Uh-huh. I was in bed by 11 o'clock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the dream. Um, no, I'm like, um, so I am staying with my family right now. Um, and because so my visa expired, so I had to leave the U.S., and I'm back in Canada. And it turns out that I don't really know a lot of people here anymore because they've all moved. <laughs> so um, I just kind of like, just like hung out with my mom yesterday and we watched like old Doctor Who Aww. and uh, ordered a pizza. And then I, um, it was like 11 o'clock and I was like, I'm really tired. I got up <laughs> at 10, but I'm like really tired. Oh, I mean, that's awesome. It sounds like you had a very chill day and like some of the best New Year's I've had are just chilling with my mom, like just hanging out and kind of having a really calm day. It's like a really nice way to bring in the New Year. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was like, I, I was like, I don't remember the last time I was in bed before midnight on New Year's. Like, that's just like... I was trying, like, thinking back, and I was like, it was, like, at least, like, it was when I was a kid, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so well, funny. That means that 2017 is going to be chill. It's going to be, Fingers crossed. pretty chill, I hope. <laughs> I want that to be true. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. What are you, what are you doing going into the new year? Because I have to admit that I... Um, so because I sort of took a break from games for like a year, mm-hmm. I sort of lost track of what everyone was doing. Um, and so I feel like for a while it was really on top of it because I was running that site, um, Forest Ambassador, mm-hmm. and I was like really good at like scouring people's pages and like seeing when they were posting new stuff. And so the last game of yours that I played was called five stages. Oh yeah. And I really liked it. Um, because oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess for people who don't, who aren't familiar with this stuff, like I feel like there's a whole genre of games that started like 10 years ago, probably a little earlier than that. I mean, it really blew up with braid where you have basically a Mario kind of, clone like you move back and like a platformer you move back and forth and you jump and stuff except you've got like some metaphor layered over it so like mario falls in a hole and it's like oh it's depression (laughs) or like the hole's too big to jump over yeah it's it's depression again um and the turtle is um i don't know like a regressive tax structure or something (laughs) um and it's like really boring a lot of the time because it just feels like you wanted to make a video game and you wanted it to be deep and you didn't really think too hard about how those things integrate yeah five stages was like not that at all it was like you really thought about like how you were portraying this stuff in like a really Mm -hmm. thoughtful way so you're like this kind of like robot figure almost like going through these stages of a breakup and um I really like because there's like parts where it becomes like a shooter almost and parts where yeah. you're like avoiding <laughs> things. And it's like it was so clever, like the way you just built up these really um, simple mechanics into something that actually worked to tell the story. Thanks. Yeah, I'm like really one of the things I really am interested in in games is how 
one can use uh, mechanics to like tell a narrative. I think um, a lot of games that I've played are either very like I think a lot of games do this well where they kind of balance narrative and mechanics. But I feel like a lot of the times they're they're very separate things. And I'm mm -hmm. very curious about ways that we can kind of combine those together. So one of the things that I tried to do with this game is um, firstly, make people feel really awkward by asking for a name of their ex. Um, <laughs> so whenever this game is played with multiple people like sitting around, it's like, ooh, who are they going to pick? And who the heck is that? Who's Jerry? <laughs> um, so it's great because then when it comes to like stages like anger, for example, like it just says like, fuck you, Jerry. And people mm -hmm. don't expect that. So it has this like kind of uh, really uh, funny quality to it that makes people maybe feel a little bit more lighthearted about playing the game. Um, and yeah, one of the things that I was really, uh, there was just a lot of parts where it was very challenging to figure out like how much is, is too much like storytelling and how much is too much like gaming and how much of it, like, can I like figure out a good balance that makes this feel like I'm I'm not being cheesy about like the mechanics that I'm choosing um but that it it's kind of telling like it it feels even though you're playing as a robot like you can understand like this is you like the character is you um so that was a really fun experiment and I think it's one of the first things I made that really did what I was trying to do. And I was really surprised at how much people liked it. Cause I was like, we made this, like I made this with, uh, a friend of mine, Chris Algu and Asia, um, over like, I think we did it for the global game jam one year. And then I kept tweaking it a little bit to like perfect some things as much as one can. Um, and I just kind of let it sit after that. And people kept coming back to it, um, like even a couple of years later and they still really liked it. So I was incredibly surprised because I'm very used to making garbage and, <laughs> and no one liking it because it's just like unpolished crap. Um, so yeah, I felt really proud of this because this was like my first thing that I could actually share with the world and feel a little bit like, like I did something. That's awesome. That's like such a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's very rare, but like it's it's worth all the experiments and and yeah, it's it's a great amazing feeling that I want to keep feeling. Yeah, so what are you so I was looking at your site earlier and um so it looks like you've got a bunch of stuff in progress. Um so I'm like really curious about these things like sense you and sweet I don't know if it's pronounced sweetheart or sweet X heart. Yeah. I think it's it's probably going to be just pronounced sweetheart. I was going, I don't know, like there was, there's something that feels very like Japanese visual novel about yes. this game. Yeah. So I was very much like, let's see if I can drop an X in the middle of a word <laughs> and <laughs> and run with that. And it, it's pronounced without the X. Um, so uh, Sweetheart's a game I've been working on for a while. Um, I started it. I think in 2014, uh, when I was taking an independent study with Kaho Abe, um, and Kaho's really great. And, uh, she kind of helped me figure out like, um, it's kind of another experiment really in, in like how narrative based and mechanics based can I make this game? Like how much can I tell the story of a woman of color, college aged, going to an art school, um, doing like a design in tech internship and, uh, the kinds of different things that she has to deal with. Like, how can I portray these things like street harassment and dealing with microaggressions through mechanics and not just through story? 
Um, so right now, I think the biggest thing I'm I'm kind of working on is figuring out how to ensure that people who play this game feel like they understand the character and the character's responses to different things. Because I think as a woman of color, it's really easy to, you know, when I when someone says good morning, I'm immediately um, skeptical of of that person, and I'm kind of like, oh, are they actually saying good morning, or are they trying to hit on me, mm-hmm. like? what's going on there. Yeah. Um, and that's a very, very specific response to years and years of training that most people who might play this game might not have unless they are also a woman who maybe lives in a more populated area. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to figure out through game mechanics, like how can I communicate exactly what's going on here um, so that people, when they play this game, aren't immediately like pulled out of the narrative and, and confused about what's going on. So, um, it's just, it takes a lot of iterations and a lot of practice. And I've been working on this game for like two years at this point. And I, I feel like now I'm finally getting somewhere with it to the point where, um, hopefully, cause I said, like, I wanted to release this at the end of 2016, which obviously didn't happen as of yesterday. Um, <laughs> but it's because I, I just really want to get it to a place where it feels like, uh, a, a person who is not a woman or a woman of color can play this game and understand what the character is going through and maybe say that they had a chance to see into a life like mine. So one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like ah. a really awesome, like difficult thing to do, right? Um, yeah. And I feel like I've... I've um I've seen like a number of people trying to do that kind of work in the last few years. And so I'm curious, like, do you see yourself as like a part of a, I don't want to say movement, but like a, maybe some kind of like micro community of, of designers that are trying to do that kind of thing with games? Totally. Yeah. I mean, like, I think I'm, I'm definitely inspired by a ton of people who have done um, games like this in the past. Um, and I, I, Definitely, like, know other people, like um, Jenny Shaw, who's doing... I was uh, just going to mention her, yeah. Yeah, Jenny's, like, great, and I feel like I I definitely, like, seeing her grow over the past year has really encouraged me to keep working on this thing. Um, And tons of other people, just seeing people kind of push this, like, games as a way of, like, conveying experiences while, like, focusing on mechanics rather than just narrative, I think... It's super interesting to to like be doing this and working on this game at this point. Like I'm I'm very glad that I kind of waited so that I could see how other people are kind of uh, of doing things and figure out like what does that mean for my game, um, and what does that mean like for the community as a whole. Like how can I push this in my own way forward? Um, so yeah, I, I love the like I I think empathy games as a title is like way too generic, um, and I definitely feel like there should be. Like, I I just feel like the next question is, like, what specifically do we call games that are focusing on, like, the experience of being a marginalized person in the world? Like, what is that title Um, without making it sound too sappy or cheesy? Or, like, how can we just, you know, let people know, like, this is a game where obviously you're not going to, like, understand exactly what it's going to be like to be in this person's shoes and live their life every day because it's not possible. Um, but like, how can you start to understand people even a tiny bit more than you already do? And um, I, I think right now, like when a person hears empathy games, like they might think, oh, like I'm just going to click forward and that's all I'm going to do in this game <laughs> is choose yes or no. 
And like, that's not what I want people to do. I want people to be able to choose the outfits they're wearing. I want people to be able to pick between responses. I want people to like have a lot of options in a game and to like, I, for example, looking at like Undertale as a kind of inspiration for what one can do with like dialogue and interactions between characters and lots of other games. Like I just, I thought it was very interesting in Undertale specifically how they were kind of using this very core gamer mechanic in a way in an RPG um, where like, I guess I wasn't really expecting it. So it was kind of interesting to see like this use of, of like a, a classic, like space shooter, almost mechanic used in a more like a way where people were like communicating with each other. And I, I think there's something really interesting to that. And I also want to kind of try to do that in my work a little bit, just figure out like, how can, like, how can we kind of maybe blur the lines between what a core gamer is versus like a person who plays games like, uh, like I think like, for example, like persona as an example, like that game's heavily about story, but it's also about mechanics. And, um, I really like those kinds of combinations. So I just want to figure out how to do that, but also like drop some feelings in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, it's such a hard thing to do, but it's, when it works well, it's just like really amazing. Like under, like you say, like Undertale or like, there are a lot of, I mean, recent examples, like um, I think a lot of Christine Love's work does the similar mm-hmm. kind of thing, especially her newest game, which really does like push the innovation with like conversation mechanics. Yeah. I gotta um, like give so many people money because like <laughs> there's so many good games. Yeah. Um. So what do you, so... Um, I'm curious because in in games, like I've noticed this kind of response to to that term empathy games. And then this is something that in in kind of writing and lit more broadly, I've noticed this pushback as well, where people will sometimes make the argument that um, that doing those kinds of of narratives, whether it's in games or whether it's in in um, fiction or, or whatever, um, it ends up being something that is like kind of consumed by people. Um, so people like, and without maybe a, a noticeable change in like their worldview or like without mm-hmm. them, them actually having like a broadened sense of empathy. But um, like, there's the sense I think among some people that that whole genre of like almost memoiristic or like, or, or yeah, like empathy games is like kind of overdetermined to the point where like, um, people sort of know what they're getting into. Um, they want to sort of feel like, um, the sort of like oppression and stuff. Like it's sort of like, um, what's, what's like, like, um, empathy tourism almost. Yeah. (laughs) Or like a diversity zoo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like my friend, um, Brendan, um, on Twitter the other day was like complaining about how when a lot of literary outlets ask for like voices from the margins, what they really want is like, um, like sadness porn, like, yeah. and he, he doesn't feel like he can write like as a black gay man about just like what, like his daily life or like whatever is happening because these outlets won't like, won't be interested in it. They want it to be like about how sad being a black gay man is. Yeah. Um, so like, how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah. I think that's a really, really great question. Um, I think that's also part of the reason that Sweetheart's taken so long is it's just kind of figuring out like, what is the 
the core audience, like, do I really want the message to be that like everyday life is just pretty stressful, which it kind of <laughs> is. Sure. Um, but like, do I want to tell that story? Um, and how do I want to tell it? Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I also work on other types of games like breakup squad and like prism shell. Cause those are mm -hmm. just like weird and random and like make no sense in a lot of cases. Um, and it's just kind of a break. Um, but I can still like drop in some kinds of like forwarding, uh, mm -hmm. of like my own personal agenda. Like, um, in these games, like the main characters are still usually like people of color mm -hmm. or like in some cases they're like gender nonconforming. And I think that's great. Um, but in terms of sweetheart, it's just like, it's very, uh, it's kind of tough for me uh, to, to like write these things and like to have that realization. I think for me, even just like realizing like shit every day is really stressful for me. Um, is not, I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's just, I think in some ways it's the story that you have to tell, but I definitely don't want people like, it's, it's hard because I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Like mm -hmm. this is, this is the, the hand of cards I was dealt and I have obviously figured out my way and I'm a stronger person for it. And I don't feel angry that I was dealt these, this hand of cards at all. Like, I think it's one thing to, to like have a bunch of experiences and to be a stronger person for it. And there's another, you know, it's another thing to kind of be like, fuck the system that made <laughs> this, you know, this way. Like I can, I can be mad at one thing while also being totally proud of who I am and, mm -hmm. and the person that I have turned into. Um, so I guess one of the challenges will be for this game is like, how do I figure out um, ways to make it clear? Like, I don't want people to feel pity for me. Like, I want people to, to like say, holy crap, like, you know, yes, people, you know, different people go through different things in life. Um, but like, that just means like, maybe we should hire more black women, for example, <laughs> because they go through tons of shit. And if they're there, that means that they are like they are so qualified if not ridiculously overqualified <laughs> you know like that's kind of i want people to come out of this thinking like man like marginalized people are really powerful and really strong and they go through a lot but they're still here and that's proof of their strength so um i yeah i just i i hate the idea of like like sadness porn or like diversity zoos or things like that. And I just, I hope that one day it's looked upon more of as like, like, I mean, we, we hear lots of, of stories from like white guys, for example, and those aren't looked at as like white guy stories. I just want mm -hmm. there to be a world in which it's like, this is just another example of a human living in the world. And yes, they have ups and downs um, and they're stronger for it. And hopefully it's different from like other stories that exist already. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a complicated question. I don't know if I have an answer for it other than like, God, I hate when people feel sorry for me. So <laughs> like, just don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't play this game and do that. Yeah. I mean, I always, <laughs> like, I always think about how, like, it seems contradictory on the one hand to like want people to pay attention to like the specificity specificity of your experience and on the other hand to like to just treat you like a human being but it's really not like that's really what a lot of people in society get all the time um like they they get to be listened to and they also get to not be reduced to to that experience yeah. and like so 
I don't think like that's not actually a contradiction at all. It's just the fact that some people don't get to have both of those things at once, like, yeah, <laughs> um, which sucks. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's um, yeah, I'm really uh, in agreement with you, I think like that, that's, it's like a really tough needle to thread, but um, and it seems like also like a really good idea to be working on other things so you don't just like lose your mind doing like struggling over like <laughs> yeah, agonizing yes. over these like really tough questions of like yeah. how to present this stuff. And I'm looking at Breakup Squad now and it's like really like vibrant and like <laughs> it looks really exciting. And um, as so I haven't played it yet, although I think I'm probably going to download it after this. Um, but it looks like like a game where like two people are trying or like three people are trying to keep a couple apart. Yeah. At a party. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so, um, I am like ever thankful to Hillman Ankrum who like did this art because this person is absolutely amazing. And they like summarize the story of the game super well in this like 15 seconds, if not less animation. But mm -hmm. the story here is like, you had a couple that at some point was together and, they had an awesome time until everything messed up and they were totally toxic for each other and should just never be together again. Um, and they have three mutual friends and they all hear that the other, like these two exes are going to be at the same party and they're just like, we cannot, <laughs> we cannot let them get together again. Like, let's just try to keep them apart until the party is done. Um, and so the game is like, it's really hard, actually, if, especially <laughs> if you don't talk to people. And right now it's only for five players, uh, which I realize is really, really hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> like unless, especially with a Mac, like I have a Mac and I had to buy like a USB hub and I had to get like five different Logitech controllers. So I acknowledge how hard it is and we are going to eventually make it so less people can play. But we have to figure out AI. So give us some time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the game is is it's really cute um the subject is not cute and something about that really made me happy mm -hmm. <laughs> like i love making an adorable game that has a topic that's just like oh my god um wow like this is something that people maybe don't talk about in this fashion very much um and yeah it's it's really really fun like people what what you're supposed to do is like you're supposed to communicate and strategize and figure out like okay where are we gonna go like it's kind of like basketball but with relationships uh -huh. um and and so you put yourself between these two people you can tell uh non-player characters to to go over to people and talk to them and kind of stun them for a couple seconds you can kind of <laughs> pull them together you can push them out um and it's really about using your body as an obstacle other people's bodies as obstacles using the obstacles around you to try to keep these people apart um but it's very very hard because the x's are really slippery and they definitely more often than not get together again, which in itself is kind of a statement, um, <laughs> a very messed up statement. Um, but yeah, like what we want to do in the future is like make more levels. Like we were thinking like, what if they run into each other at the supermarket or like what if they <laughs> run into each other at the office? Like where could this go? Um, 
And so we definitely have a lot of ideas for the future. Um, but something about this was, it was just really great to kind of work on this more like fast paced, like fun, ridiculous, awkward game. Um, and it's a, it's a really big contrast. I feel like to sweetheart because sweetheart is a one player game. Um, it's definitely got more like narrative going on in terms of like interacting with people and you're talking to them and you're choosing, you know, what to say and things like that. And in this game, it's just like right now it's like, I think it's about 60 seconds and you're literally just, um, it's more of like a classic core game, I'd say, where all you're doing is like pressing buttons and you're running around and you're trying to figure out like, crap, which way do I go? What do I put between myself and these other people? And um, yeah, it was just a really great um, chance to kind of work on a more classic kind of game and, and like see what I could do with these mechanics to say like, okay, what are, which of these are like realistic? Yeah. Um, and what would be completely unrealistic in this kind of game? What's like too slow? What's too fast? Um, how can we make this super balanced? And I, I haven't gotten the chance to work on very many team-based games before this. Like I've done a couple, um, but this was a really great chance to kind of like flex those muscles and, and figure out like, how do I, I work with balancing and, and what feels good in terms of sending people to other people and stunning them? How long do I stun them for? And all these kinds of like game design things that I don't get to think about very much. So I'm definitely excited to kind of keep working on this and also just see how much more awkward and relatable I can make this game. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I'm really curious because this is like kind of like, like you, you compared it to basketball and it does seem like uh, like a sport. And I'm curious, like, did you start with, like, you wanted to make a game about about the subject? Or did you start with, like, what if I made a game about, like, moving bodies around and, like, trying to block people and then trying to, like, get to different people? Yeah. So originally this game idea, um, before I was asked to do a game for No Quarter, um, I was in a Unity game development class and I was working on the idea of like ray casting, which is this very specific idea in Unity where um, it tells you the distance apart between objects. And mm -hmm. so you can use that. And, and what I was trying to do in this game was say, okay, well, we've got these two objects at a party um, and you're trying not to be seen by the other person. Um, and so it started with that mechanic, but then, um, as I was working on this game for no quarter, I realized it'd be more interesting if characters were trying to stay apart from each other, because then you can incorporate more players, um, by having one team trying to move together and the other team trying to separate them. Mm -hmm. And so it was very much mechanic fo mechanics focused, like the mechanics, came first in this case because of, of things like raycasting and figuring out like what would be the most like entertaining form of play for people. And then I figured out like, does this story still work? Like does the original idea of having this at a party still work? And in this case it did. And it was kind of meta actually, because no quarter is kind of like an exhibition slash party. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it was, it was playing a party game at a party and the game is about a party. Um, so that was really kind of um, it was kind of convenient to to tie that all together. And I, I think it turned out pretty well. Like people were also really excited by this game. And I was really surprised about that again, because um, <laughs> like I said, not very often that this happens. Like it, it takes so much work um, to like make something that people feel excited about and that draws people in um, just on like first look. And again, Hillman Ingram, um, and like also Ethan Gooding made some like amazing music for this. Like Chris Algu, again, like uh, collaborator I work with a lot. Like 
he did some great sound effects and helped a lot with like um, some of the experimentation around like the mechanics that we were using and like some of the numbers that we were trying to figure out for this game. Um, so I'm like, I, I think I've learned through this process that like if you pull in more people who are like talented and know what they're doing, um, you can like make a higher quality game, which is like obvious, but like, I'm, I'm like a very headstrong person. Um, <laughs> and this took me a very long time to actually learn. Like you, yes, you can make a game by yourself, which is what I'm trying to do with sweetheart, except I can't do music. So good luck there. Um, but if you pull in more people and you can trust those people and you know that they're going to make good things, then the the quality of your work just goes up astronomically. And I'm, I'm really hopeful about just collaborating more with people in the future. And I don't care if it like if I don't have a byline, like I just want to make things that like, well, I, I want to have like my name credited somewhere, but I don't need to be like the only person. Um, I just really want to make things that you know, affect people. And I feel like this game did a really great job at that. And this is like a benchmark for me for the next things I make in the future. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, like it seems so obvious after you've done it, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, I can work with other people. But (laughs) I think (laughs) a lot of people have this idea that like you have to sort of do it on your own or like it's not as valuable or like it's not as impressive or something or like even using existing assets or even using other people's code. It's like, no, I have to like do everything from scratch. I have to do it on my own. And it's totally untrue, but like, it's just for whatever reason drilled into us that like, I feel like, especially in games that like you have to do it all on your own. And and it makes even less sense than in like almost any other field because yeah, <laughs> um, like, yeah, you can write a, a book, on your own or like you can write a piece of music or or whatever but like there are all of these different skills that are required to make a game like like breakup squad and for one person to have all of them is incredibly rare and for one person to like be good at all of them is like almost unheard of um and yeah so to like sharing that work you end up with something that's like often like way more exciting um Although obviously there's something to be said for like trying to do all those things on your own. Like, and sometimes, sometimes that can like be interesting too. Um, And I think you see some people's work just like be really distinctive because of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, Like, I mean, I feel like the only thing is like when you're doing it by yourself, I I think one needs more time. Like, and that's something I don't have because I have a day job. Uh, I, I need to survive Mm -hmm. and I need to eat. So I, I have a day job that I love because I do UX design. Um, and that just means that I have less time in a week to like concentrate on creating these things. Um, but if, if I were someone who, or like, I would just have to spend like 10 years working on a thing like cave story or like, braid or like all these cases where it's like yeah a person people just like chugging away at something forever or like stardew valley i think took a really long time because um i guess this person was just trying to like perfect this thing and it took like several years and in in cases like sweetheart yes i will take my time um but with breakup squad i just like understood really quickly like i have less than nine months (laughs) yeah i cannot make a good game um, with my 40 hours a week day job and like a, a budget of some kind, but not a very large budget. Um, and so I just kind of acknowledged really quickly, like 
I need people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I super admire, I think Lauren Schmidt like did, did their own thing without other people. And I was oh like, Oh my God. Yeah. Crap, they're just like, magical. <laughs> they're like, just like a beautiful oof. alien. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> Hats off because like that game is amazing. Um, I think it's Witchball, and I I like was blown away and like I have so much admiration because I want to do that one day. I just know that right now I do not have the time. I don't have the money, <laughs> and I think just coming to acceptance with that fact that like maybe one day I will I will have the funds and the time to like make my magnum opus and spend all day doing that. Um, but that's not my life right now. (laughs) So, um, but the other thing is just like, I mean, you get more awesome ideas when you work with other people, you know, like there's just something about coming together with people like, and I do the same thing in my day job, you know, like I focus on UX design. I can also do programming and I can do design like visual design. Um, but it's really nice when I can like pull in other people and ask them for like what their thoughts are and how they feel about something. And I, I just feel like, things are so much better in that case because they're just things I would never think of. Like I have my own set of biases. I have like my own, like, I don't know. I just have my box and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm in it. (laughs) So (laughs) as long as I'm in my box, like I, I can like pull in other people and they've got their own boxes and maybe some of our ideas overlap, but I'm sure that like in every case, they're going to suggest something that I would have never thought of. So why not bring them in and just make a better thing? So yeah, I think there's definitely a case, um, and there are so many great games that have been made by a singular person. Um, but I just I think that there's also definitely a lot of cases in which people should just work together. Yeah, and they should just yeah, it just should happen more. And I think there should be less of a pressure to kind of be like the singular indie game god who mm-hmm. like made a thing by themselves and it took ten years and they're making a million dollars like okay, that's not, I mean, like people talk about this all the time, how there's like this singular indie narrative. And I think we should figure out ways to get past that. Yeah. I mean, it's really unrealistic, right? Because for every one person that pulls that off, like how many are there who, who had to like give up or who, who, (laughs) who got it done, but then didn't like blow up? Like, yeah, it's like you, it's that old, um, like bias issue right of like you only ever hear about the people who made it and you don't hear about like the thousands of people who who didn't for whatever reason (laughs) um yeah so for this other thing um that i saw on your page uh since you is that a solo thing are you working with people yeah so since you started as my thesis um uh, for my time at NYU Tandon School of Engineering, as it is now called. Um, and so I went to the IDM program there, Integrated Digital Media, um, and they kind of let you make anything <laughs> as your thesis, as long as it's somehow related to like technology and design. Mm-hmm. So um, when it came to SenseU, it's definitely majority my work. Um, but again, just because of the timeline and um, when I also talked to, like, I had an advisor, uh, for my thesis. Um, and, uh, in this case, I believe I, I asked Frank Lance to do that because, um, he's great and he knows more about games than I do. And I was like, 
you're, you, you work at NYU. Can you do that? And he was like, yes. Um, and so I had talked to him, uh, about like how much time I had left to work on my thesis, which in that case was a singular semester at three months. (laughs) Um, and I had been working on this like on and off for about six months previously. So I had a fair amount of things done. I had a lot of research done. Um, I had asked my friend Laura, who was looking for like ways to to get credit for like research things, um, if she could help me find papers that I should read, um, because this game specifically is about sex as education and about creating more positive body image for people. And I don't know how to research those things other than finding books on Amazon. Um, so it, firstly, like I acknowledged my weaknesses and I asked people like who can, can can do this thing and who can help me with this. Um, and that was really great because Laura really delivered. She like scoured, um, NYU's, uh, they have like a system where you can look up all these research papers and she found me a list of like 20 or 30 of them and, um, like categorized them by like specific subject. And I went through the, as many of them as possible, um, with her help and, that was amazing. And so right there, again, just like having help from people and figuring out how to give them credit or or pay them or whatever they want, just find a way. Um, and then I also realized like, yes, I can do most of the art. Um, but near the end, I realized like, I, I don't have time to write this 40 plus page thesis paper Mm -hmm. and create like the intro screen for this game and do the music. Um, so I asked a friend of mine, Patrick Ellis, if he could do the music, uh, for this game. Um, and he was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll, I'll drop in some tracks and he's really good. Uh, I think his SoundCloud is like soundcloud.com slash Patrick. It's, that's literally the name. Um, and so that was really helpful to have someone who like wants to do music and, and was willing to like put some time in like a little bit of time, um, to help with that. And then, um, I scrounged together some money and asked, uh, a f- another friend of mine, Allegra, uh, who is also known as Dell. Um, I think, uh, Dell's working on like rain world now. I think that's the name of the game. And so Dell's doing a lot of art for, for other games now, but I was just like, yo, how much would it cost if uh, I wanted to have this size drawing done for the intro of my game? I need something to show at my thesis <laughs> presentation. And right now it looks like garbage. Um, and, and Del was just like, yeah, like 200 or, or some amount. Like I was just like, I will pay you whatever you want. Just <laughs> deliver me this image it doesn't have to look super duper refined. Here's like an idea of the characters. Like I had the character designs and I was just like, yo, spend like however much time you need. Tell me whatever your rate is. I will pay you it. Um, and yeah, Dell delivered and it was great. And I was happy to compensate people. Um, I'm happy to pay like whatever people's standard rates are for the time that they spend doing this. Cause I think it's really important to support artists. Um, and all in all, like my, I passed my thesis, uh, defense and that was great. And I'm, tr- I think what I was trying to figure out next is like, where do I go with this thing? Like, do I just release it as a demo on Android or like Google play, for example, and then, and then just let it live or, or like, do I keep working on it? How do I find funding for it? And so for a while I was trying to to talk to different 
people and different companies and find funding. So like I talked to like Planned Parenthood and I talked to like uh, the sex ed project and a couple of other places and I kind of ran into a couple of dead ends. So um, what I ended up doing was uh, because I got contacted for no quarter, I was like, okay, I'm going to like let this sit on hold for a bit because I figured out like how much budget I would need to finish this based on programming time, art and music and stuff like that. And I just was not really finding like any, like I, I got like an awesome foundation grant, but that was like a thousand dollars and that's mm-hmm. not enough to finish yeah. the game. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, um, like it's enough to pay Dell more money for art, but not all the art that I would need for like proper intros and stuff like that. So I was just like, dang, like I have to put this on hold. Um, so right now it's kind of sitting and what I'm doing is I'm working on Sweetheart because that has a lot of the narrative chops that I need to to get better at. Um, like it really requires, like Sensi requires a lot of, of, of writing and a lot of making narrative feel human because the game is really about texting these in-game characters and being their... Um, their, uh, their RA, like their, their, I think it's what, like resident advisor or something Mm -hmm. like that, um, in college. And so you're kind of like guiding them, um, through their, their lives during this one semester of school. And you're kind of giving them advice about life and about sex and about body image and about these different things. And so I feel like I, I want to be a good writer for that, or I want to get better at writing, um, to the point where I can, can make these text interactions feel, like you're messaging real people. And I think I was getting somewhere before, but I just acknowledge like I need, I need some more practice. Um, so the nice thing is that I'm working on another narrative game that will help me do that. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, over 2017, I'm going to keep trying to like find some funding, um, that's like substantial enough to like actually work on this game more. Um, and that's just like me realizing, uh, that for some projects, like, I got to put on the adult pants and I got to find money um, because as much as I love doing like uh, indie game development as like an art form, like some, some of these things just, I can't do them by myself, as I said. And that means that I, I have to pay people. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I really don't like the idea of having people work for free. Um, something about that just, it goes against all the stuff I talk about. Like mm-hmm. I'm always talking paying people for speaking and paying people for like consultations as marginalized people like you can't just ask someone about diversity and then expect them to spend their time telling you the answer without giving them money so you know like it would be totally hypocritical of me if I weren't paying people for for their work and so and whenever I can like I I really work hard to make sure that happens um so sense you is like, it's going to be a challenge because I, I guess it's going to be one of those hurdles that I have to leap over of like finding money. <laughs> um, I've never been able to like properly fund a game before and like find uh, a collaborator that would be willing to shell out some cash to make something happen. And this is going to be the challenge hurdle that hopefully makes that happen. So we'll see. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> I just want a sex ed game to exist in the world. Yeah, it seems like a really important thing. Um, Have you seen any other examples of it? Yeah, there's like, there's definitely some games that are about like, like, I I feel like, um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. um, But there was like a high school um, game that was for 
for phones and it specifically was about um like relationships between people and it touched on sex ed a little bit and so that was one of the games i was kind of using as a reference i'm trying to see if i can find the exact name because i think i had it written down somewhere a long time ago um but yeah it was just like really it was actually quite tough to find like exact examples of of other games to reference because I think people are really nervous about this subject. Um, I think it's called High School Story. That's the name of the game. That sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. So that was an example of a game I had heard of. And there's a lot of like flash games, um, but there aren't a lot of mobile games. And I'm sure part of that is because um, people are really, really nervous about making games about sex, especially when it comes to putting them on app stores because like mm-hmm. Apple. They, Apple will just shut that down yeah. like, pretty quickly if it's explicitly about sex, which is partially why I wanted to have more of like a humanizing narrative. Um, not, like also just because like people, especially young people, need like a more relatable kind of topic to like ease into talking about any kind of thing in life like most people do. Um, but I think it was also really important because this needs to be something that can be accessible to people um, and can be on the app store. And I was really wanting it to be something that's like free um, for people to play because I just want a lot of young people to, to be able to interact with this game and to like understand more about themselves and more about people who maybe are different from them. Um, and and so, yeah, it was just really tough to find examples of like mobile games. But I found a lot of Flash games um, that were made by various different like companies that were trying to figure out how to like tell young people like this is how sex works. Um, <laughs> so that was that was mostly my my point of reference. And there were a couple of other other games that I, I was looking at um, like. I don't know. There were like games by Trojan. Like Trojan had one that oh was my God. against humanity, but it was also an ad for Trojan. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So that was weird. But <laughs> I, yeah, it's like really interesting how little stuff there is specifically in the mobile space right now. Um, like there's a lot of Otome games and stuff like that mm-hmm. that kind of touch on relationships, but I don't feel like there's a lot about like, yeah, just like what. How how does consent work? Like, where are the games talking about, like, consent and maybe why people shouldn't push people to have sex with each other and, like, all these kinds of different things that I think people just assume each other know about? Like, I feel like a lot of the times I look at Otome games now and I'm kind of like, holy crap, that's not really consensual. This is uncomfortable. Or I do that with, like, media or other things. And it's just like, wow, how off are we when it comes to these kinds of basic concepts that I I see a lot of writing about, but I don't see a lot of like change in our media forms happening so far. Um, Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this other than that. Like, yeah, there's just like a, not a lot of stuff to like that one can use as a reference yet. Um, And it's all kind of hidden, um, which is also part of why I really wanted to make this is because like there just isn't a lot out there for people right now. And I remember when I was younger, like all I had was like a book about my body and the internet and the internet's terrible 
for advice. So (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to make something that was like a factual reference that people could play and they could have their assumptions questioned a little bit in a comfortable environment where they don't have to find out about like consequences through actual physical experimentation. And then they get the consequences of those actions. Um, But we'll see. 2017. Come on, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think you're so right about all that stuff still being so hidden because like you say, the app store and then also like steam, like all of these, (laughs) the sort of big retail markets for games online still have such a bias against this stuff. And it's really strange to see steam in particular Um, like Christine Love's most recent game, Lady Killer in a Bind, couldn't get on Steam until she added, uh, she, she created a version where all of, when, when characters get naked, they're covered with Christmas sweaters. Oh my God. Which apparently after she released that feature, sales actually went up. Um, That's amazing. So (laughs) yeah, people have some interesting... Uh, priorities but um but she had to do that for steam because like they wouldn't let this game be on steam and then i feel like robert yang has sort of dealt with some similar stuff totally and then in the meanwhile like there are games like like there was a game about like managing cam girls honey pop and honey cam yes yeah and those are fine like that's fine <laughs> that's fine no, to be on steam makes no sense um yeah. and it's it's really bizarre um so it's tough because, uh, yeah, like you have to find some way to get get eyes on this stuff. And, and when those marketplaces block you out, it becomes that much more difficult. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think what I'm going to do is like I've been kind of sitting on this for a while, as I mentioned, and I've just been kind of nervous about releasing a version that has like really terrible dialogue. But maybe a thing that I just need to do is like put chapter one out there in its current form and just drop it on Google play and see if they like immediately ban it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just find out what, what to do from there. Um, yeah, I'm really hopeful that like, I don't know what it's going to take to get people to kind of look at their like biases when it comes to like the kinds of games they're allowing, like even looking at Twitch and like Robert Yang's that, like how Robert's games like a lot of Robert's games are just not playable on there and it's like but like why (laughs) why is this the case I mean yeah I don't know it just I have a lot more questions I think every year especially like growing older and more aware of things um I just I start questioning things so so much more and it just it's so much less clear to me like why people make these kinds of decisions but allow certain other kinds of games um, into these spaces, like, how is that helpful for, for conversations about, about sensuality and people's bodies? Like, what kind of thing are you, like, what are you portraying to people and what are you conveying to them by allowing certain games to exist that like, don't treat people's bodies with very much respect. But when it comes to other games that are kind of trying to say something or have a different message or just trying to give people the ability to be more comfortable with themselves, like those games aren't allowed. Um, Like, why is that? (laughs) That's like, I think maybe people don't really consider that enough. And I think that's something that we should have more of a conversation about in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think 
one of the sad realities of why that is sort of the case is um, I don't know how much this is true for Steam, but I think for a lot of other sites, it's payment processors. Um, yep. And there have been so many the issues with banks and credit cards, um, credit card companies over the past few years. Like um, that's why a lot of of smaller sites like Gumroad uh, will say like you can't uh, you can't host porn or like you can, and like that's why um, uh-huh. Kickstarter like you can't use that for that kind of thing or, or like things that they consider porn mm-hmm. because payment processors will um, get like pull out or like they'll. It, like you, you see this these issues with like banks like shutting down sex workers accounts mm-hmm. and things too, even if they aren't using their accounts for anything related to that industry. So like I wonder how much of it is that, but then like I'm sure a lot of it too is just games, um, sort of, uh, you know, having that old kind of American media bias of um, like graphic violence is like more or less fine but like mm-hmm. yeah. consensual sexual activity is like is ugh. Just, I, ugh, yeah exactly <laughs> we have a long way to go i think that's like definitely the summary of of my past two years of like just making observations like i mean i've just i've been like definitely like growing and and realizing a lot more um over the past several years about this stuff and yeah i definitely have a lot of questions like i know that like i I think like paypal won't support certain like transactions or, or like certain people who sell things if they're like against their terms of service whatever their terms are specifically Mm -hmm. um and it's just kind of like okay well what what's what processors are impartial like where are the 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 like like i don't know i, I now this makes me really curious about like what's itch going to do what's like game jolt going to do or is that going to kind of be the space where where these games are found and is that too niche like does that force people into a corner where they're automatically just have less of an audience even though these games are, are games that people all over the world should be playing and and their target audience might just be the steam players um so yeah it's definitely something that i thought a lot about and with sensu i was really hoping that like the conversation about sex would most specifically be within the dialogue because I was really like, I don't even know if that's acceptable, you know, like, is it only when you show imagery or is it even just talking about the concept of it um, that gets you banned from these stores? Um, So it's really scary to just even spend time on it, knowing that like any just like mentioning this kind of concept could just get someone like taken down. Um, so it's it's something that I'm I'm really nervous about. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, our society is so weird. <laughs> it's yeah. something I just think about all the time, um, especially because like I read um, the books that I was reading specifically for Sensu. Um, a lot of them were like pretty progressive, and they talked about um, a lot of ideas that you know like are are kind of ingrained in our society and but like that maybe people don't really consider super often. Um, and by reading those things like sex and God, how religion distorts sexuality, that was really, really interesting for me. Um, that book specifically like talks a lot about like, um, society and like how, 
um, religion specifically like impacted a lot of the, the ways that we think about sex. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting. Um, obviously it was like biased a bit, um, against, uh, religion, um, because of the topic, but I thought it was really interesting to, to like kind of go back in history and like, think about like, where did these ideas come from? And like, why do we hate bodies so much? Like Mm -hmm. they're just blobs of meat, (laughs) like what's going on with that? Um, So I thought that was I thought it was a really great chance to kind of like question a lot of things that I was taught. And but now the only issue is like I think about it all the time and I'm just like, holy crap, like everything is affected by this. And now it's like, yeah, it's just it's just it feels weird to kind of be on the other side of like the the woke spectrum. Um, I just feel like I'm very, very aware now. Um, And it feels very weird because like I just feel like we have a very long way to go before things really progress as much as they need to. Yeah, absolutely. Sigh. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I think that happens whenever you like dig into a lot of the stuff, you just realize like how much there is to go. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's get to work. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you want to call it a day there? Sounds good. Thank you, Merit. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. This was super fun. I'm glad we we got to chat for a while. Yeah. I'm hoping that you will be back in New York soon, right? Yes. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed on that one because New York definitely needs more people like you here. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Well, do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Yes. Uh, so uh, my website is C-A-T-T-S-M-A-L-L.com, Catsmall2Ts. Uh, my Twitter is also Catsmall2Ts. I'm basically everywhere at Catsmall2Ts. I feel like H-I-O. we I feel like we share the struggle of two Ts um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, people so. misspell my name with one T all the time. I have definitely accidentally written that down with one T at least a single time and then Googled and then been like, crap. Okay. Like, I the mean, important thing is self-correction. Though. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Cause like turret, ferret, they're all one T. It's just like one of those things. So, but, um, and you're on Twitter, cat small. Yeah. H-E-O. Well, I'll put links to all those in the show notes too. Thank um, you. So yeah, thank you so much again for coming on and, um, I hope your year starts off great. Same to you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Woodland Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.